The Start On Demand. On demand. Restaurants were able to reopen on Friday, and I was the first customer through the door at the King's Head. It was a great experience, but not everybody was happy about that. We'll also speak to the GM of Finns on Grant, who says it was the right thing to do to reopen. Winnipeg's Tim Haig Sr. joins us to talk Black History Month and growing up biracial in the U.S. and how he struggled to fit in. Have you seen that retro weather app that looks like the old Environment Canada TV channel? We talked to the Winnipeg man who designed it. And what's the worst parking lot in Winnipeg? I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. And this is the Tuesday, February 16th podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb back again. We were off yesterday. We know not everybody had yesterday off. Uh, We enjoyed our day off if you were working. Uh, Thanks for doing whatever it was that you were doing. We know our friends down the hall at Global TV were live yesterday morning on Global News Morning. Um, But I felt no guilt in waking up at 9.30 and having (laughs) not seen (laughs) a second of their show. Ah, you know what I, I felt guilt for is uh, when I saw their weather forecast and anyone who's out working the past weekend, that's what made me feel bad. Anyone who has to even get up and get in the car, when you just said Wednesday feels like minus 25, Brett, I was like, woohoo, minus 25, yes! It sort of feels It sort of feels like the weather is breaking. Yeah. Just a tiny bit. Oh, three I degrees would... warmer. I mean, what, were you, what are we going to do with that three degrees, guys? <laughs> well, can you imagine, let's put it into perspective. Can you imagine, I don't know if you saw Willie Jefferson and Holly Jefferson's uh, social media this weekend. Of course, Willie plays for the Blue Bombers. They live in Austin, Texas. Mm. They had about eight inches of snow there. And as we speak, I know at five o'clock this morning, our time, an hour ago, yeah, it still is minus 16 degrees in Dallas, Texas. Minus 16. Think about that. And if yeah, you've ever you watched... haven't felt that before and you're living in Texas oh. and you wake up to that, right? Yeah. I mean, and... I don't even like minus 16 mm-hmm. some days, let alone them. And they have got massive power outages, Loren, across uh, several states in the U.S. And if you ever watch the home renovation shows, uh, the, the difference in how they build houses down there in terms of insulation and windows and, and their heating systems, you know, they don't have massive furnaces like we have. They have these heaters that sort of live in a central room Uh, basically a closet in their homes. And so this is going to be uh, dangerous for a lot of people. They had snow in Houston on the weekend, just a bizarre week or so of weather across North America. Not everywhere in North America, but definitely across a, a great swath of our continent. Yeah, some of the video that's coming out of various parts of the U.S. is just so bizarre. I saw one video of a guy just pulling out of his driveway in a mm-hmm. pickup truck, and um, the, the street was kind of sloped, and they, 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 this person hadn't even completed the backing out. The truck just started sliding, slowly sliding sideways down the street. I don't know <laughs> what ended up becoming of it because it fell out of the camera shot but that's terrifying to think I saw that the same, sorry Brad I saw the same video and I thought the same thing like what's the end like where did this end for this guy 
<laughs> so um, I and that, was, that was one of the things I wondered when I first visited Seattle. I, with the streets downtown, there were so many hills and slopey streets, something that I'm not used to driving in Winnipeg. And I thought, man, if it's icy here, it must just be awful. There's a reason why they shut down at different times versus the way we do. They don't have the equipment to go out. And sometimes it's just those elevation changes that just make it impossible for you to go anywhere. So speaking of going somewhere, Friday, this was an interesting long weekend for me because, you know, while typically by the end of the long weekend, it might feel like my batteries are recharged, but my batteries were recharged by 2 p.m. on Friday. And uh, this is why. Customer number one. Yes, loving it. (laughs) That was me at the King's Head. I said it was going to the King's Head Friday at 11. Sure enough, I was there, and I was the first customer through the door after they reopened their dining room for the first time in well over 100 days, Greg. Yes, and uh, I know for a lot of people, that relief, that sense of normalcy was something that they were celebrating and uh, later on this morning, in fact, in an hour from now, we'll speak with Jay Kilgore. He's the GM at Finn's Pub on Grant Avenue. And he shared some absolutely fantastic tweets over the weekend with regard to the response of customers and his staff and why he immediately knew that it was the right thing to do to, to reopen because there were a lot of restaurants that did not reopen that just decided to stick with their takeout and delivery and curbside pickup programs. But Brett, I can't believe you got backlash for going out. <laughs> I mean, it was from a small number of people, but it was it was fairly vocal. Yeah, I took some heat on Twitter uh, over the weekend. Uh, some, some of it was quite aggressive uh one guy you know one guy called me an a-hole and uh told me to f off and and uh i probably i probably shouldn't have engaged or replied but sometimes i like to reply to stuff like that because we get trolled all the time in our text line and sometimes people are just looking you know they're shocked to get a reply they're like wow i didn't expect you to reply to that thank you so i figured i'd at least reply and then when i realized it was a lost cause i i had a little bit of fun with it and then i bailed out but yeah there's some people were a couple of people were basically personally blaming me for what they say will be the next level red lockdown another person said what planet are you living on not wearing a mask as i'm holding a beer and so i just asked this person how do you expect me to eat or drink while I'm wearing a mask? Uh, the response was, I, I can't even repeat it. It was just such a, it was a strange reply, which has since but been deleted. That's the rule, right, Brett? You go into the restaurant with your mask on, and once you're seated, you can take the mask off. Like, there's nothing that you were doing that was beyond any of the rules that are stipulated by the province or the restaurant themselves. Correct. Yeah, and the, the, the king said they were very diligent in making sure, please sanitize your hands, please sign in. This is where you can sit. You're not allowed to stand. Like, you can't just stand around. You have to remain seated. And I sat at the bar, and they had a couple of pieces of uh, duct tape on the taps to say you need to stay in this area. Greg, you sat down at the end of the bar, like 10 feet away from me. Mm -hmm. That was was as close as we could get to one another. Yeah. Listener Brenda, by the way, showed up as well. She heard that we were going to go, so she popped by to say hello, and uh, Cam Poitras was there. So, yeah, it was just, I thought they did a really nice Nice job and uh, creating an environment where not once did I feel anxious. It felt weird being suddenly bombarded by multiple conversations around me. I, my brain could, was having a hard time processing that after so long, but I not once did I feel unsafe or anxious like I recently felt at uh, a store where I thought, oh boy, I'm being crowded. I got to get out of here. 
See, I felt that. I felt that on the weekend going out to four different stores and I would run in and the kids would stay in their car with dad and, and I'd go in and out. And there was a few stores where I thought, oh, wow, there's a lot of people in here. And there was only one where I noticed someone was counting, you know, at the door to make sure. And so it's, it, I think it's just, I'm wondering if the backlash is more just about that. It's so, it's so weird. Like it's been three months and it's weird how you suddenly became conditioned to what you're not supposed to do, what's not supposed to happen. And then when it's happening, maybe all within the boundaries, as far as I know, maybe those stores were within capacity limits. It just feels like, uh, like I know I'm allowed to be here. And is everybody okay if I have a sip of this beer? Like having a sip now. Don't judge me. It's like you're 14 again and your mom's watching. It felt, for me personally, it felt great. And it was great to see others in a social environment. And even Cam Poitra said the effect this is having, the positive impact this is having on my mental health, just sitting here talking to people who I don't work with and having a beer. It was good. And you could see it on the staff and the owner, Chris, at the King's Head. We start this half hour with this statement that offended some and others thought the apology that followed was an overreaction. I bet you I'm supposed to be saying something right now, aren't I? Either way, an RCMP tweet meant to warn about dangers of sending nude photos has not only been taken down, the RCMP have admitted they missed the mark on their message. Now, before we ask you what you think, here's Global's Brittany Greenslade with more on that tweet and the reaction. One click, one intimate photo sent in just one text. It becomes an image over which you no longer have control over. It's the message Manitoba RCMP tried to get across on social media that landed them in hot water instead. That tweet comes across as victim blaming. On Sunday, Manitoba RCMP sent out a tweet saying, Love doesn't always last forever, but pictures do. This Valentine's, keep your privates private. It quickly sparked uproar on social media, with many saying it came across as victim-shaming. One person responded with, Love the message you're sending to victims of revenge porn. Another says, Does the M in RCMP stand for misogyny? There are probably a lot of people who saw that tweet who have been victims of sexual assault. And they look at that and they look at those words and they think, I do not feel safe coming to the RCMP with my story of sexual assault in light of these words coming out. That's the type of healing that needs to take place in accountability. The tweet was removed late Monday morning and the RCMP admits it missed the mark. The RCMP's message is to be careful what you provide because, like I say, those messages can be shared without your consent and can come back to hunt someone. And unfortunately, it didn't come across well. The organization says it will continue to work on its messaging while offering an apology. Let's say we apologize for the wording perhaps that we use. It's, uh, like you say, the message was clearly intended to promote that the illegal sharing of photos is not provided. So the wording obviously needed to be changed and that's something we'll continue to focus on. Brittany Greenslade, Global News. Now, as Brittany mentioned, the RCMP did apologize and take down the tweet, although I think it might have been worthwhile and educational to leave up that tweet and even an apology and put an apology in writing with it. Because as as you mentioned, Brett, that tweet garnered all sorts of reactions. Some people thought it was the police trying to victim blame. And then there was others who thought it was too politically correct. And so for that, for that audience, I think it would be important to leave it up and share that conversation. Because even for many of us and myself, it was a learning curve. I saw that tweet and I initially thought, I saw it before the backlash and thought, hang on, are we 
was this what we're really worried about to consenting adults sharing images, sharing images, period? Or are we more talking about people who are victims of sexploitation and trying to get that conversation going? And therefore, if you're someone who, who made, who has been in, down that road before, you might have felt victimized for it. And so I thought it would have been important to keep it all out in the public domain so people can debate and talk about it and maybe learn more, Brett. Yeah, I know that uh, my initial reaction to this, and it's not coming from a place of insensitivity or coming from a place of, oh, come on, what's the problem here? But as I looked, because I went looking for the tweet and I saw that they sent out a number of tweets on Valentine's Day and various scams to watch out for, you know, people looking to prey upon people who are seeking affection on Valentine's Day. There are financial scam things to watch out for and other things. And then when I saw that one, and I, my initial reaction, honestly, was, well, is this, this doesn't seem like bad advice to me, at least on the surface. Uh, and as you pointed out, Loren, there was a learning curve. When, when I, you see people like Susie Parker talking about it and others saying, hold on, what, there, there is a problem here. That's what made me kind of stop and go, okay, I need to pay a bit more attention. There are obviously different points of view on how that's received. And I think the RCMP's message is one that I can agree with. Their message was well-intentioned, but in a social media context, Loren, perhaps... When you have limited characters, when you're trying to be clever, when you're trying to catch people's attention and say something that maybe you just cannot say in 300 characters or less, the message gets lost, it gets convoluted, and it comes across as insensitive. This is a conversation that not just women need to have, all of us need to have it. You use the terminology sexploitation, we've heard uh, in the last week or so that the, the sexploitation of these images that our teenagers and younger people share uh, is way, way up in the, over the pandemic. And so the message uh, maybe was just uh, was lost in the wording. What do you think about that? Here's a tweet that had me laughing on Friday. It reads, Grant Park Mall has the worst parking lot in Winnipeg. That tweet from former Winnipeg Blue Bomber and current CFL free agent John Rush. All around great guy. Awesome dogs. But that triggered a landslide conversation about the worst parking lots in Winnipeg. So let's discuss what do you think is the worst parking lot in Winnipeg. If you text us which lot and why it's the worst one at 204-780-6868, you could win yourself a $20 gift card for Santa Lucia Pizza. We're giving that away at about 9.15 this morning. But let's go around the horn. We've got Cam Poitras here, Jeff Braun, Jeff Forte. Braun, you're a cantankerous fellow. Let's start with you. Oh, I, I am down with this. I ag- actually agree with John Rush. It's that Grand Park Mall Shopping Center uh, parking lot, and it's it's not just Grand Park though. It's om- it's every mall's parking lot is just designed terribly. Like I swear, the people that design these things are are doing it just to play a joke on us or something, or they're dropping acid before they get to work, or I don't know what they're doing. But it's always bad at the mall. And the thing with about Grand Park though is because there's been like renovations and add-ons and stuff over the years that that thing is kind of just like a Frankenstein kind of parking lot in places and they keep adding new buildings to it like restaurants and stuff like that and it's like it's hard enough to park anyways and it's like well we're going to take out a bunch of spots and hopefully bring in more people so it gets worse and worse every time they add something I just I just hate it (laughs) okay Uh, Cam Poitras you 
Uh, well, I, yeah, I think if, if I was putting my mind to this, I'd have to say Grant Park. It's just so confusing. The first time you try to get into that mall, it's like you have no idea what the heck's going on. But I got to also give a shout out to Northgate Mall off of McPhillips. Uh, it was, uh, you know, there was there was plenty of room and then they started cramming in more businesses See? and little spots. And now it's like uh, it's it's like a sardine. You're, you're packed in there so tight and it's so difficult to get out of there because everybody's trying to move in front of you. I, I actually avoid that mall except for like when I really want to see a really cheap movie or something. But other than that, I won't I won't go in there because it's just it's too tight. It's you're fighting everybody to get out of that place. Uh, you, that's a solid sales pitch for me as to why I would want to avoid that for sure. Mackling, what about you? Well, I have a pet peeve with uh, Strip Mall in North Kildonan and Cam. I guarantee you know which one I'm going to talk about here because I think this is the worst parking lot in Winnipeg. It's officially at 1413 Henderson Highway, if I'm not mistaken. It's just south of the, um, oh, what is that mall there? It's at Wellams Lane and Henderson Highway. Yes. There's a Quiznos. You took my, there's, you a, took my- <laughs> there's a Dollarama in there. And oh. I like some of the businesses in there. In fact, that's where I go to get my hair cut. And it's the only reason I would ever go in that parking lot now. I will not go in there. Otherwise, the spots are all... Uh, perpendicular to the aisle. They should be <laughs> angled parking spaces at the very least. It is an absolute nightmare. You have to make a three-point turn or some version of it, no matter where you park, how you park, what time of the day. It is an absolute disaster. I want to take a tape measure to it and figure out what on <laughs> earth were they thinking. It's just it's so narrow. It's you, can't, you can't pass. You, like, there's two cars coming at each other. You can't pass. You, somebody has to get into a parking spot for somebody else to pass it's terrible and, and fortunately we went to high school right there at oh, river east yeah. collegiate and so i whenever i'm in like i run into dollarama or something in that little lot the, the, the person behind me is always backing up at the exact same time as i am and there's no way that you can get around it that like, we can stopped. only like you have to go like halfway out of your spot and the other person comes halfway and then it's like well what, what, what are we going to do here who's going to who's going to make the move who's going to make the decision i've gotten honked there <laughs> uh, I, I am trying to get out. It's it's stupid. Uh, I, I was going to actually say, though, I'm kind of agreeing with uh, Braun, that mall parking lots, especially around Christmas and especially on Boxing Day, was the worst experience because we used to work at Polo Park. And uh, Boxing Day, one year, took me 45 minutes just oh, to get around our on. building. I was so frustrated. And luckily, like I knew it was going to be crazy, so I left extremely early. Uh from home that day, but uh, yeah, 45 minutes just to get around our building. Yeah, I, rem- I was working that day. I remember that. That was the, the one rare occasion where they actually gave us parking passes so that we could park underground. Um, and uh, that was my first and only time in that underground parkade. And it was funny, too, because I didn't know. I remember trying to get into it, but I because I'd never been in, I didn't realize how tight the, the entrance was. And I had to do this, like, 19-point turn to get into it because I approached it from the wrong direction. And um, I, had I just gone in i would have damaged my car severely so yep. yeah that I, was I, fun i actually missed it because i didn't i've never been down there i didn't know <laughs> that that's how you get in <laughs> it was new to me so that's why i missed it and i had to go all the way around the oh, building no. just to get back to that spot <laughs> uh McNabb, what about you 
Well, I know people think Costco has great parking lots because their stalls are wider than most. So sure, you're not crammed in there. But the Costco on St. James, every time I make the mistake of going there, I realize why I only go there once a year. There's like, I think there's two ways in, but only one way out. And every time I try to get out, I find myself driving around the building like, there's got to be another way out of here. Like as if I'm the only one who hasn't thought that it's caged on the east side. You can't possibly cross in there. But I'll do that full circle and be like, surely, surely someone put a road in here by now. Somebody, there's got to be a secret road. So I I think that's my vote just in terms of the sweat that comes with the experience because you're so annoyed that there's not another way. But fundamentally, what I can't stand is any parking lot and the driver who, who has to get as close as possible. So they can't possibly take the stall that's even three spots farther away from the store. They have to sit there and wait for the closest possible one. But they sit and wait in the middle of the lane. So it's like pull to the side and they're giving you the wave around. Like go around. Go around. You're like, I can't go around, man. You've taken up the whole thing. People are and like, that's when I they're in they're oh sorry, Loren. They're in I was saying, that's when I wish we had that sign. You could have like a flashing sign on the top of your car with like messages to drivers. You have You're feet. in my way. Walk. Move over. You can walk. You're going to go into the Costco and walk like four kilometers while yeah, you go into like side. A 50, exactly, square foot but building. You, you don't think you're moving in about it's, it's, five minutes' time? Get out of your car. It's incredible. It's <laughs> unbelievable. And they will, you, you'll go around the lot the whole time and you'll sit there and wait because you have to get the perfect spot. But you're going to go in there and you're going to walk like crazy. Just park. That's why I always, I avoid this nonsense. I find a spot <laughs> way out in the back where Did no one else is around. Yeah. And I yep. just, I don't, I, I'm not, I'm not playing these games with these people. I just, I'm not, I'm not going in on it. I'm not. That is, that is a follow-up conversation, I think, because there was a study that was done that showed who is the most efficient parker. And, uh, and I think, Cam, you might want to rethink your strategy, but we'll, we'll come up. There, there's a middle ground, uh, okay. but, but okay. Uh, I love the fire and the passion. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, we are getting all kinds of text messages at 204-780-6868 agreeing that Northgate Mall has the worst parking lot in Winnipeg. Keep texting us, 204-780-6868. What is the worst parking lot in Winnipeg and why? For a chance to win a $20 gift certificate for Santa Lucia Pizza, which we'll give away at 9.15. One listener saying the worst lot has to be the Safeway in Tuxedo. On Cordon, it's full of blind spots, drivers blowing through bizarrely placed stop signs. Mm -hmm. I'm convinced that upon entering, most people just close their eyes and hope for the best. (laughs) (laughs) That is a weird parking lot. So keep those texts coming. We'll share them throughout the morning and, again, give away that gift certificate at uh, 9.15. And we've got the boss is joining us at 7.37. Is he not, Loren? The big boss of the Bombers, yeah. Blue Bombers president and CEO, Wade Miller. They've got some promotions they're doing. If you're looking to get in a little uh, cash or card action to to help out some sports teams across Winnipeg. And then, of course, we want to talk about preparations as we head towards what we hope will be spring camp and uh, a summer of football. And so, yeah, Wade Miller will join us after 7.37 for our weekly breakfast with the Bombers. In case you're just tuning in and missed it off the top, we talked at 6.07 about the fact that uh, Friday, 
after our show, I was the very first customer through the door at the King's set. I walked over there. Greg actually took a little video. I looked like an ant. He was on the, up here on the 30th <laughs> floor and watched me as I marched my way down to the King's head. And I sat there for a couple of hours. I bought myself a hat. It felt wonderful, just wonderful to be out in public uh, in an environment that had been set up very nicely by that restaurant uh, where I felt completely safe, or completely safe, no anxiety. It was just good to be back out in a public setting again, Greg. Yeah, no question about it. And some uh, terrific tweets, Loren, from our next guest. Yeah, J.M. Kilger. You can find him on Twitter, at J.M. Kilger. He first wrote on Friday, 45 minutes in, I already know this was the right move. See my team's eyes light up as they walk into work for the first time in 101 days almost feels as good as having to lay them off felt bad. The highs and lows of this year have been so crazy. Yeah, another from J.M. Kilgore on Twitter, this time from yesterday. Guest left a 100% tip. Went over just to confirm a mistake wasn't made. His response, I've sacrificed nothing during the pandemic other than not seeing friends and family. I work from home with a full paycheck. It's your staff that have sacrificed the most. I suspect that Jay bought a beer. Jay Kilgore is a general manager at Finn's Pub on Grant Avenue. And uh, Jay, do you want to weigh in on the worst parking lot in Winnipeg conversation? <laughs> uh, absolutely. I have to agree. It's the Tuxedo Village parking lot. It's it's a nightmare, and it always has been. Yeah, very good. Hey, so thanks for bringing us inside your world over the weekend. You shared some other hilarious interactions you had with your guests over the weekend, including one about a couple being happy to be anywhere without their kids, and another... Yeah. About the fact that they can enjoy a restaurant meal without it coming out of a box. Your decision to reopen, was there any fence sitting on that? And of course, share with us that realization that you shared on Twitter that it was absolutely the right thing to do for your staff. Um, yeah, we were we were a little bit nervous. And uh, as a business at 25% capacity, it doesn't necessarily make complete sense for us to open Um the amount of labor we had to add in order to safely have people in the restaurant um, kind of outweighs any profit to be made. But uh, we sat down with all of our staff and I, I let them make the decision. Um, I felt that uh, with what they'd been through, we owed it to them if they wanted to open um, that, you know, the potential for tips and, you know, just getting a little bit of a sense of normal back. And uh, it turned out that uh, they, they wanted to, and it, it was absolutely the right choice. We were, we were, we had a great, we had a great weekend. Uh, um, sales were okay, um, but it was just everyone immediately was um, the mental state around the place. It, it went from, you know, it gets pretty sad stuffing takeout bags for months, um, you know, even though we were busy and very thankful, but it's just not what we do. So uh, it was it was a great experience all around. The comments from the guests who left the 100% tip, were those the prominent feelings of your guests? Um. Yeah, and to be honest, actually, it happened again yesterday. Um, and the gentleman had—he barely knew what Twitter was, <laughs> so he—he he didn't read it and come and do it. He—he—he he, he felt the same way. Uh, I think a lot of people um, have felt a sense of responsibility throughout this whole thing. Um, you know, people that maybe haven't been had to sacrifice as much, and um, they've been very happy and very generous as they've come in. So it's been—it's been really nice. 
Any pushback at all, Jay? Because I know there's just so many mixed emotions. And Brett was mentioning how he had some sort of uh, pushback on Twitter for his his going out and people saying like, hang on, like, you know, you're, you shouldn't be doing that and all the rest. And, and we're allowed to be out there. We're allowed to go as long as we're following policies. And so I'm just curious, when you tried to make sure people were being safe and seated at the correct distance and all the rest, did you receive any comments from customers who were annoyed at any of the measures being taken? Um, you know, we, there are a couple eye rolls at the household only rule. Um, again, we just have to stress that that's not our rule. We need to make sure that they know that it's, it's the province and regardless of how people feel about it, it is the rules. And so we're not, we're not bending them or anything like that. So, um, but overall, no, we haven't had, um, any pushback about reopening. I think that it's a, it's a necessary, um, first baby step. Like we, we've got to start somewhere. So. Um, you know, we were happy to give it a shot and it, and it went great. Obviously a busy weekend, regardless in the, in the business as I uh, would have called it once upon a time, uh, Valentine's day, right up there with mother's day mm-hmm. as some of the busier, uh, days of the week. And then to have it fall in a long weekend, the way it does obviously beneficial for you, Jay, what is your opinion on how things are going to look over the next several weeks? Is there any backtracking potentially in terms of being open or, or you're open now and, and that's the way it's going to be? Um, well, there won't be any backtracking from us. So, and I, and I, I really hope that, uh, um, you know, because of us opening, we don't need to backtrack again. That's why it's so important for us to do this properly. Um, or we have no interest in opening and having to close again. So, um, we, I guess, I don't, maybe we're a bit lucky in that, the Irish, an Irish pub might be a last-minute oops. I didn't make a reservation for Valentine's Day, place to go. Um, so we weren't necessarily too crazy on uh, on Sunday. But uh, I think that, and I didn't get a chance to go out because I was working so much. I'm looking forward to probably going out tonight or tomorrow with my wife. But uh, from what I've heard, it, it was the same experience for a lot of other restaurant owners, and um, you know, just just really happy guests and staff. And I think that uh, for the most part, I heard pretty much everybody operating properly. And I think that's the key so that a lot of us that are able to open because we have big enough dining rooms, we owe it to the people that are still closed to uh, make sure we do this properly so we don't have to backtrack. Jay Kilgore is the general manager at Finn's Grant Park, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Jay, thank you so much for joining us, uh, especially this early. I know this probably isn't your typical uh, (laughs) uh, waking up time being a restaurateur. My pleasure. You know what, it's... uh, I've, it's my first day back at the gym today, so I'm uh, my trainer. Uh, he's got me coming in at eight, so uh, I'm looking forward to getting that started too. Because the gym industry has been uh, hit hard as hard like we have. So the 1980s called and wants its weather back, or at least the way some of us used to get our weather. Way to wake up, eh? Yeah. I don't think I, I think I need one out of three of these songs, but that sound that comes with a new retro weather app that's reminding, I think, many Manitobans how they'd wake up in the mornings and not just turn on our radio for weather updates, but we might have turned on our TVs and, and tuned it to that channel that would broadcast all weather details all day long in that pixelated font and bright colors. Uh, it might kind of look like a flag, guys, right? With a neon on top and red in the middle, neon on the bottom, or maybe it was neon green and blue, but kind of that 
that retro look, and it was all about giving us the temperature, the historical data, basically more weather information than you might have even needed, Greg. It was a fantastic snapshot of what was going on, and it was great if you were pretending to run your own radio station at home. The channel no longer exists, but the app that's taking many of us back is conjuring up all sorts of nostalgic feelings. It's called Retro Weather, with background sound provided by our friends at CJNU, and we are excited to share with you that it was actually created by, and I'm not surprised by this in the least, a Winnipegger. His name is Gary Cash. He was born and raised in our city, and after moving to Alberta about 18 years ago, we're pleased to tell you that he, that he and his uh, family are moving back to Manitoba this spring. Good morning, Gary. Hi, good morning. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for doing this. Thanks for creating this on behalf of thousands of Manitobans. I downloaded, I can tell you this without any question, I pay for about three subscriptions online, and this is the only app I've ever purchased in 11 years. So congratulations. (laughs) Thanks for this. Why did you do this? Uh, Well, I mean, I think, I think it's a, uh, it's, it's, I think we all, have memories growing up through the 80s and 90s and uh, and having our having our TVs on and <laughs> and just playing and everybody kind of tuning in to uh, to the weather um, and uh, and really fond memories I'm I'm discovering everybody's kind of reminiscing now that this was released on Twitter um, and uh, and I'm not alone I guess what's the reaction been it's been really, really positive. It's been the people have been supporting the app a lot more than I expected. And how many? How many people have, have downloaded it? Uh, it's been up for about two and a half weeks, and uh, I've got over five hundred units sold, which is, yeah, blowing my expectations out of the water. Yeah, I, I was talking to you yesterday, and you mentioned you kind of did it for fun, and now you have 500 people who've paid for it and counting, I'm guessing, and all sorts of responses yes. on Twitter, like uh, a fan who said, oh, this reminds me of when my dad used to iron his work shirts and just watch that weather channel <laughs> with the font go by. And then somebody else actually mentioned, now hang on, at Labaholic tweeted, hey, if only it had wind chill readings like 1750 or 2100, so we would still have no idea yes. what that even means. So that's how wind chill used to be delivered. Are you you making any plans to add that to add to the retro feel gary yeah that has been one of the most requested features since the release and uh I, i'm glad to say it's it's coming uh, i'll be putting it in soon on the next version <laughs> this is outstanding <laughs> stuff and and uh like we, we've said this brings back some memories but i'm having a hard time since you were here in in winnipeg gary uh, i remember yeah. it moving to channel 48 what channel was it on before that do you remember Nine. You know what? Was I, it nine? This, I had debates with my family about this. I it was nine, and and then a bunch of other people say, no, no, it was way up in the channel. But I, I had one of those TVs that only had, you know, the the one to thirteen on the face. Right. I remember hitting nine to get to it. So. Well, you had to have cable to have it. It wasn't over the air. So and that makes sense, Brett, because yeah. CKND, Global Television, was Channel 9, Cable 12. So 9 would have been open on the cable dial. Yeah, I'm almost 100% certain that it was Channel 9 uh, back when I was a kid. But I'm curious to know, Gary, because I went looking for this app this morning and I had to ask Greg and Loren, what's this thing called? I can't find it. Well, it turns out I can't find it because I have an Android phone. So this is so far uh, only apple friendly when is it going to be available on android uh you know anything can happen i'm 
I'm by trade a, a, a mo, uh, an iOS mobile developer, so you know I, uh, I'll, I'll have to learn the craft of of making Android. Uh, I'll deliver that to you. Okay. <laughs> Well, you're, you're a software developer. Before we let you go, I'm just curious because when you look at the app itself and if people can recall that weather channel, it's the most basic of font. Uh, you know, there's nothing mm-hmm. fancy about it. But was it hard to put that into an app format in terms of just – and I don't even know what I'm asking here because I don't know how it works. The coding or how it all works? Was it a difficult process? <laughs> you know, yeah, there were – I think the, the most difficult thing, believe it or not, was actually trying to – trying to find and match that font. I spent probably about two or three days downloading dozens of fonts and just axing them all and couldn't find it until I landed on this one. So uh, that was probably the biggest challenge. And then there's also challenges in just, you know, actually getting the weather details from uh, Environment Canada. And then the the third biggest challenge would have been uh, just, Formatting that into that into the into the constraints of this of this old television <laughs> uh, uh, orientation, uh, getting everything to fit and truncating some of the text uh, so that it'll fit in uh, and look exactly the way you remember it. Well, you nailed it. As far as I'm concerned, it feels exactly the <laughs> way it did. So thanks for doing this, Gary. And uh, let's uh, make a deal to uh, get you in the studio once we're allowed to do that. And you've moved back to Manitoba. I'd love to. Thanks very much. Hang on, Gary. Before you go, what's the font called? Basic font? Most basic of all fonts? Original (laughs) font? (laughs) I don't even remember the name. (laughs) I'll have to get back to you on that. (laughs) Typewriter 1928? (laughs) (laughs) Gary Cash joining us live on 680 CJOB, the Winnipeg man who is behind the retro weather app. That looks like in the old Environment Canada TV channel. Again, only available on Apple devices. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. On the subject of worst parking lots, I actually, I don't think I made my vote, cast my vote on the worst parking lot. For me personally, it's this strip mall with the Shoppers Drug Mart and the McDonald's and the Liquor Mart and the Taco Time, etc. at uh, Angoulay. Just before the bridge. With the Domo in the middle of the parking lot. Dominion Center. It is chaos no matter where you are in that lot. The, the aisles are tight. There's, you know, there's blind spots everywhere. It just it feels every time I drive in there, I, I'm, I'm constantly looking around all around me. If I could hit, spin my head around like <laughs> the little girl in The Exorcist, I would because uh, I absolutely detest going into that parking lot. It's like being a pro athlete, head <laughs> on a swivel. And that, that's probably just a victim of that shopping center being so successful, Brett. Yeah, Like, you know, Tim Hortons, Taco Time, a, a Liquor Mart, a Shopper's Drug Mart, a McDonald's. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I mean, it's a it, subway. <laughs> there's all kinds of great stuff in that lot. There's a there's also a cannabis store. Tokyo Smoke is in there. So lots right. of stuff. There's a TD bank machine. So, I mean, there. when I lived in St. Boniface, I had to go there all the time. Um, and I never enjoyed going there. <laughs> so let us know at 204-780-6868 for your chance to win a Santa Lucia pizza $20 gift card, San Lucia Pizza, of course, right across the street from that from that parking lot. You have the worst parking lot in Winnipeg and why. We'll give that away just after 9.15. But right now... I think the no fans is definitely wearing on guys more than, you know, it goes about, especially in games that are 
emotional and tight. Um, you know, and if you need that extra boost, if you're playing a back to back, I think we miss the fans more than, um, you know, we lead along to it's, they're such a big part of our game and, that's the biggest thing I've noticed for sure for me. That is the voice of Winnipeg Jets defenseman Nathan Beaulieu ahead of the Jets' 6-5 to victory over the Oilers in Edmonton. The lack of fans in arenas has been a big topic of discussion around this unusual 2021 hockey season. Yeah, Jets head coach Paul Maurice had some extended thoughts about the effect this would have on the players longer term. Before he made his comments, he made sure there were no misconceptions about where he was coming from. We're all so thankful that we're playing. So I want to put out all those. You can include all the appropriate qualifiers of how fortunate we are to play, but this is nowhere near as much fun. So plans way more fun than not playing. But it's way off playing with fan without fans. Like it, it's it's not nearly as much fun. It's not nearly as exciting. It is kind of like if there were never any fans in the building. I'm not sure how excited you would be to do this job, right? It's 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 kind of mechanical a little bit. There's no there's not that energy, that juice, the excitement, and that's true on the road too. Like sometimes winning a game on the road is even more fun because you depress 20,000 people, right? Like it's, that sounds terrible, but it's true, right? You come in and you, you're out playing the role and the fans are booing their own team. Like there's an energy that comes out of that. I just don't want it to sound like a complaint. This is more true now than ever. I think that this is actually great for the players of the NHL to go through because they truly have an appreciation to how much the fans bring to the building We'll be really, really happy when we get people back in the building for sure. Bob Irving joins us for his weekly visit. Mr. Bob Irving, good morning to you, sir. Good morning, everybody. Your take on Coach Maurice's comments. Well, I heard it on our pregame show last night, and I thought it was so bang on. You know, I think we've become a little numb in watching these sports events and accepting the fact that there are no fans because they play that phony sound on the on the radio broadcast and the telecast, so you you feel like there's some noise from fans there. But uh, it's got to be so weird for the players, and it's weird for those of us watching, too. I was watching golf on the weekend, and, you know, there's a great duel in the Pebble Beach Pro-Am, and you see a few golf officials scattered here and there on the golf course, but no fans, no big throng of people cheering a great shot and that sort of thing. So, you know, if we miss it as spectators i can only imagine what it's like for the athletes to not have that uh, kind of feedback if i could use that term from the people who actually pay their bills i mean athletes are entertainers and people pay to watch them do their thing and uh, they're just not there now and it's uh, again i think we've become used to it obviously we had no choice but uh, they are sorely missed and i thought maurice summed it up beautifully as he often does well and last night bob you can only imagine what the energy would have been like oh. at rogers place yeah. uh you know the jets go up 4-1 and then the the oilers battle back 5-5 i still hate that goal horn in edmonton it brings back so many bad memories but like last night was old time hockey right it was old time jets versus oilers uh, and when i say old time i mean howard chuck versus gretzky old time and Bob, correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember it this way. In those days, it was the Jets that would skate circles around the Oilers at time, outshoot them dramatically or for a large percentage of the game, only to lose. Last night, it was the Jets who likely have the Oilers wondering what on earth they need to do to, to beat the Jets. Yeah, I've often said those Oilers teams of the 80s with Gretzky and all those Messier and that gang would come into the Winnipeg Arena, and they'd be outplayed badly, but Grant Fuhrer would stand on his head, and the Oilers would eventually win the game because of their 
prolific scoring, and it was a similar kind of game last night. The difference between then and now is the Oilers don't have the goaltending they had back then. You know, Edmonton's going to struggle, I think, all year, and I felt this from the beginning, and we saw it last night. The Jets won that game 6-5 because their goaltending is better, and Hellebuck is going to give the Jets a chance to make the playoffs and, and have an edge over some of these other teams in the North Division, and the Oilers with Mike Smith and Koskinen are going to be touch and go all season long with their goaltending. But it was fun to watch last night, ulcer-inducing for the coaches, no doubt, and here's the other thing, Greg, that I drew a parallel back to the 80s when Tim Waters of the Jets would get under Wayne Gretzky's skin all night long. And there was Neil Pionk doing the same thing to Connor McDavid, you yes. know, hitting him at every turn and, and being in his face whenever he could. So it, it really drew some nice parallels back to the, those halcyon days of the 80s. Nice callback, Bob. I like that a lot. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so with this cold weather we're experiencing, Bob, I mean, it extends across most of the United States, too. Like at 5 o'clock this morning, it was minus 16 in Dallas. I not, know. not exactly baseball weather, but pitchers and catchers are getting ready for the upcoming MLB season. So what kind of challenges is baseball looking at as it gets ready for a full season schedule? Yeah, well, remember last year they played 60 games and they played it without fans in their stadiums and they had some COVID issues. It's interesting to me what's happened now, and you say the pitchers and catchers reporting this week and the preseason will start, I think, on the 27th. And Major League Baseball actually asked the players to play a shorter season and start it later, and the players said no. Uh, and there's one reason why they said no, because they're, they'd lose some of their salaries, and they want the full 162-game salary as opposed to 154 games. In Arizona, where they have spring training along with Florida, uh, officials in Arizona asked baseball to postpone the start of their training camps, and baseball said, no, we're going to carry on. And I guess in, unless the health officials step in and stop it, which they won't, uh, they're going to carry on. In Florida... Uh, baseball is going to separate the teams into pods and play their spring games, their preseason games, with as little travel as possible, again, recognizing the issues that COVID causes. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, some of the stadiums are going to allow small numbers of fans when the season begins on April the 1st, but they'll be battling the COVID issue just as all the other sports are, and who knows how it's going to unfold. And the other sport that's starting this week, guys, is the in curling, the Scotties Tournament of Hearts starts on Friday in Calgary in a bubble. 18 teams there with strict COVID protocols. Will they be able to pull that off? And that's the question we ask about all these sports now, is will they be able to pull it off or will COVID get in their way? I might have to, um, I don't know, book some time off. <laughs> for Scotty's five Manitoba teams yeah. on the women's side, Bob. I don't know how I'm going to keep up. I was going to ask you about the Daytona 500, but I feel as though you're in, a, in an advice-giving mood here that we could do maybe some group therapy here. Uh, the, the, am I twisted in my way of thinking? I was furious that the Jets lost 2-1 to one to Ottawa on Saturday. They scored, uh, the Senators did, with eight seconds left to, to steal a win, a game that, that, you know, maybe the Jets didn't have any business winning in the first place but one they should have had but last night Toronto <laughs> blows a 5-1 lead against Ottawa and the Senators come all the way back they win 6-5 in overtime is that allowed to make me feel better about what happened on Saturday or not 
Well, of course it is. That's the very nature of the sports fan. You're looking for something to make you feel better, and Toronto losing to Ottawa would certainly do that, and then the Jets beating Edmonton would be icing on the cake. So you're back feeling good again, aren't you, Greg? I am, actually. (laughs) And there's really no rhyme nor reason for it (laughs) because the Jets, you know, for the victory that they had, and I I listened to it. I didn't watch a single minute of it, but I did listen to it uh, with my earbuds in uh, for all tents and purposes. And, you know, really, the Oilers were the better team last night so i've got some concerns but i do feel better about the loss on saturday well the beauty of these games i think in the nhl this season and it's always the case in sports is you never know what's going to happen and there will be upsets there will be comebacks and fans will uh, you know be in pain because they can't believe it happened but you have to believe it happened because it happens all the time it always has and it always will in sports and that's the beauty of sport and before we let you go, Bob, i got to ask you about this. Uh, I get a text message from my dad, I think it was yesterday, and he says, hey, turn on the soccer game on Sportsnet. And my first thought was, what are you doing watching soccer? Uh, but I turned it on, I think it was, is it Bundesliga? Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And there was snow on the field. Uh, I'm, I'm, never, I'm not saying it's never happened before, but it certainly struck me as odd to see the guys running around in shorts on a snowy soccer field. Is that something you've seen often? No, you don't see that often. I've, you rarely see that, as a matter of fact, although in Europe they can get some tricky weather at this time of year. I'll tell you a strange one, too, on Twitter yesterday. Now, Willie <laughs> Jefferson of the Bombers lives down in Texas, right? And so his, his wife put a picture of him on Twitter out in his front yard, and they've got eight inches of snow. Think about this in, in, in Texas. They've got eight inches of snow, and Willie's out there measuring the depth of the snow, and his wife is laughing in the background at him. And what an experience for the people in Texas, and they're going through with the weather right now. Yeah, Willie Jefferson is really getting into the Jets, too, which is great to see. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, we'll have to have him on to talk about that. I thought you were going to mention, uh, Brett, the uh, pitch in Slovakia that has a train that actually runs through the pitch, not through the middle of it, but on the sidelines. I'll send you, I'll tweet that out. I saw that yesterday for the first time. Bob, thank you, sir. As Willie Jefferson would say, come on down to Winnipeg. It might be cold, but we don't have eight inches of snow, do we? Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb coming up in our next half hour. We are going to visit with another Winnipeg author and illustrator on I Love to Read Month and talk about the book A is for Alphabet. But right now we want to continue our conversation on Black History Month. And you might know our guest as the founder and executive director of U-Turn Parkinson's. He speaks, he advocates, he raises awareness for Parkinson's disease. You might also know him as the first winner of the Amazing Race Canada. But this morning you've been hearing his voice in Jeff Braun's newscasts. He spoke with Global's Amber Magookan about Black History Month, and we wanted to talk to him, too. So let's say hello to Tim Haig Sr. Tim, how are you, sir? Very good. Good morning, guys. Thanks for having me on the show. Well, thanks for joining us. It's always a pleasure and a privilege to talk to you, Tim. So, yeah, let's let's just start it up with your your background as you were growing up. You were born in Texas, uh, which, by the way, I, I should probably ask you this. When you see how much snow there are eight inches of snow in parts of texas that's kind of weird hey god bless them you know they, they need the change <laughs> <laughs> no sympathy at all in that tone of voice tim <laughs> oh no none whatsoever 30 years in winnipeg i don't care if anybody else gets a little snow we get more than our share <laughs> so born in texas you were adopted and you grew up in kansas when did you move to winnipeg by the way 
1989, September of 1989. And uh, what a what a trip that was. 1989 was so freezing cold, guys. It was four, minus 40 most of that winter. I moved here with a little bitty bomber jacket, you know, a little waist-length jacket. I froze to death that entire winter. <laughs> the one thing that I learned was that there was a hell when it had frozen over. <laughs> <laughs> well, what brought you What brought you to Winnipeg? And, and just talk about maybe some of your first experiences. Uh, my, my stepdad is biracial, and so I know some of the challenges he had coming to Manitoba in the early 1980s. Talk about some of the challenges you might have had, Tim. Well, what brought me to Winnipeg was my wonderful blonde, blue-eyed wife. Uh, we, we needed making a change. We'd been married for four years, living in Kansas. So we thought we would move back to Winnipeg to be near her folks for a couple of years. They were in a little town called Ashern, two, two hours up number six. And, you know, two years turned into three, it turned into five, turned into 31. And uh, Winnipeg's home now. But when we moved to Winnipeg, we moved away from our racial, our, our the biggest bigotry kind of experiences that we had. When we were first married, um, first dating, we couldn't walk through a mall without getting pointed at, or, you know, you would always see people making comments. <clears throat> uh, we uh, attempted to rent a house in Kansas City, one of the first places that we wanted to live. Uh, was in a particular part of town that I didn't really want to live in, but it was old and unique and uh, quite nice, and Cheryl was very interested in living there. We spent probably 45 minutes looking at this house, listening to this lady make every excuse under the sun why we probably didn't want to live there. And finally the penny dropped. And I'm like, come on, let's go. And Cheryl's like, what do you mean let's go? I, I like this place. I want, I want, I want to ex- explore this. I said, no, let's go. And we get outside and she's like, what's going on? But she's not going to rent to us. And, well, why not? Because she's not going to rent to me. She's a bigot. She doesn't like black people or brown people. And sure enough, that's exactly what it boiled down to. And so, you know, growing up was, was just like that. It, it was in Kansas. It's just the way it was. Um, when you grow up, I always called it a half-breed in a very black and white world. You didn't fit most of the time. It was either someone who was uh, you were a little too white for, or there was someone you were a little too brown for. Or in a lot of cases, you were just the wrong shade of brown. I had lots of, had one Latino girlfriend in high school, absolutely beautiful girl, um, the puppy was in love big time back in the day, but her dad did not like me. I was the wrong shade of brown, and yet he was on the on the brown spectrum. He was way darker than I was. It was just the fact that I wasn't the right shade of brown for him. You mentioned, Tim, that you moved away from that when you came to Manitoba. Does that mean you didn't have any of the same experiences, or was it a different kind of experience when it came to what you might have felt or saw or been talk to in terms of the color of your skin? Good morning, Laura. Uh, Thanks. Uh, It's a good question because the reality is is that for me, it's night and day. I've had virtually zero um, racial issues living in Winnipeg. It's just been night and day. And I think that that for me, because I I was raised in a white family, in a white community, uh, I didn't grow up with a whole lot of black uh, influence in my life. I think that uh, that nurture part comes through. I think a lot of people see that and they're more comfortable with that. And even though I have a nice tan, I don't come off in certain ways that for some people would be uncomfortable for them. And I think here our history has been, you know, more with our native population. 
that our Indigenous folks have taken more of the heat in this conversation than others of us have. But for me personally, it has been a wonderful experience living in Winnipeg. It has been absolutely fantastic living in Manitoba. We experienced none of the things that we experienced back home. Do you think that people are trying harder now these days to, to learn about our differences and, and be more accepting? Absolutely. Absolutely. People are very, very conscious of what they say, how they say it, should they say it, and to the point sometimes of, of overdoing it, because there, there's a natural curiosity in, among all of us. We are a country of immigrants, right? Uh, aside from our indigenous population, we've all come from somewhere else. So we're, we're intrigued by one another. We're intrigued by our histories. And so we, we sometimes don't ask questions for fear of being offensive. And I, I want to discourage that because we need to be positively curious about one another. We need to ask those positive questions that say, you know, where are you from? And get to know one another so that we can break down those barriers <clears throat> that do cause fear, that do cause misunderstandings, because when we don't understand one another, that's when we repeat the sins of our fathers and our grandfathers. You know, it's interesting you mentioned that, Tim, because I was thinking back to uh, elementary school when that was really a big deal uh, growing up was, you know, where you were from. And my personal history is so boring and bland uh, from the British Isles almost exclusively that I, I tried to find anything exotic in my in my family tree to, to sort of latch on to. And the, and the best I could do was Austrian and the fact that Arnold Schwarzenegger was from Austria. So there, there is something uh, about being proud of your of your history and of your family lineage and, and uh, all those sorts of things with regard to our heritage. Are we doing a good job at celebrating that and breaking down, like you say, those, those barriers to conversation? I think that there's always room to grow. There's always more that we can do. But I also think that as humans, we're always going to get it wrong <clears throat> in one fashion or another as we go. I think the important piece is to always remember to stay curious, to stay positive about the other, to not let the other frighten us. That just because it's different doesn't mean it's harmful. Just because it's different doesn't mean it's going to supplant me or take my place somehow. But it's just different. And that once we really get to know one another, once we look past those things, we find out that the brown guy from Kansas, born in Texas, is 60% European by genetic makeup. 40% African. All of us, we get right down to their genetic makeup. We find out that we're just from different places, but we're, from, we're all humans. We all want the same things. We all want to be prosperous to some degree or other. We want to have a family. We want to have our, our, our kids. We want to see their family do well. We want to feed them. We want to put a roof over their heads. We want to see them mature and get, be healthy through life. We just want to live our lives in peace. And that's what's important. And in Manitoba, I mean, with all the problems that we have, the struggles that we have with them sometimes, we have a wonderful place to live, and I'm amazed at how often you can be at the Forks, that you can be at downtown, you can be in so many different places, hear so many different languages being spoken, and yet we're all Manitobans, we're all Winnipeggers, and it's a peaceful place. Tim Haig Sr. joining us live on 680 CJOB. As we mentioned before, Tim, it's always a pleasure. That was marvelous. Thank you so much for taking a few minutes to chat with us today. We appreciate it, um, sir. 
My pleasure, guys. Have a great day. Backling, McGarry, McNabb, we have a $20 gift certificate to give away for San Lucia Pizza. We've been having a conversation this morning. Worst parking lot in Winnipeg, inspired by a tweet that was sent out by John Rush, former Winnipeg Blue Bomber, current CFL free agent. On Friday, he said, Grand Park Mall has the worst parking lot in Winnipeg. So we wanted to know what you think is the worst lot and why. we got time, I think, for two texts here, Greg. Joe's just got a funny one uh, from where, right next door to where we used to work. Well, I have to confess, I've asked this question myself. I'm not sure this is the worst parking lot in Winnipeg, but it certainly is the most useless. What is the point of the second story parking lot between the Bay and Silver City at Polo Park? It's like the bridge to nowhere. Why is it there? I went up there once just to see what's up there. Nothing, nothing at all. Yeah, you have to, you actually have to take a bridge, I think, to get into the mall from that parking lot. That's don't correct, you? yes. I like that parking lot. You get right up there, you get out of the way of other people. I've actually gone up there for naps in between. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we've had a few late afternoon work meetings, you know, and you're like, well, I don't want to go home and then have to come back. So I'll finish up work, leave around 12, get something to eat, and then I'll park <laughs> on that upstairs there. And, ah, ah. and it kind of shakes when cars go over it. So you yeah, get that nice, does. almost like baby effect. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, there it is. Lull me to sleep. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, dynamite. Oh, hey, I believe it. That's actually a great, re- sounds like a great refuge, but we, we just got to read our winning text, Loren, from Heather. Of course, Heather wrote to say, worst parking lot is at the Radisson Hotel. The clearance to get in is deceiving. I went there with my husband's truck for our daughter's grad. Wasn't sure if I would clear the maximum height, but the parking lot attendant waved me in. And of course I got stuck, scratched my husband's new truck rooftop, not to mention the lineup of cars behind me. I cried. Parking lot attendant felt horrible, but finally got the truck out and parked somewhere else. <laughs> I didn't tell my husband for two days. We laugh about it now. Not so much then. Congratulations, Heather. You won yourself the $20 gift card for Santa Lucia Pizza. Last half hour, we talked about Black History Month. Well, this half hour, we got to talk about how it's also another month because C is for covid W is for wind chill. V is for vaccine. They're topics that eat up a lot of the conversation these days. But this month, we've been trying to turn your attention to another letter, R, as in read, for I Love to Read Month. Yeah, and every Monday at this hour, we've been introducing you to a local author to not just share more about their books, but about them. And so this morning, we're pleased to be joined by Jesse Thiessen, whose book A is for Alphabet. That's where I was getting with all the C and W and V and R. Brett, we'll have your young one quickly turning through the 64-page illustrated book. Uh, We're pleased to bring on Jesse. Good morning. Good morning. Before we get into your work and a bit about your business, Jesse, I have to ask, you're a mom of twin boys, so I need to know how old. Okay, so um, I have a four and a half year old daughter, and I have six month old twins. Twin oh, boys. Oh, good. So it's not just yeah. it's three kids under five. Yeah, you know, it's been a it's been a great year. <laughs> well, I have to I have to yeah. pass it over to Greg because Greg's the father of two twin boys. You don't have a third oh. in the mix, Greg, but you can relate to that first six months of of being a parent with twins at home. Well, at least uh, at least we can suggest that you did it in the right order here, Jesse, because uh, when people ask us, are you having any more or do you have any more? No, we're not crazy. Once usually you have twins, uh, the idea of having more uh, seems a, a little bit unpalatable. Six months old. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. You're not getting yeah. much sleep these days, are you? 
I, I will admit they actually are a champion sleeper. So we're doing, <gasps> I, I'm not, uh, we're not dead. So. <laughs> well, we yeah. always say we paid up front with our twins. The first 18 months were difficult. And then, you know, they've got built-in friends for life and yeah. and that sort of thing. So it, it, it does get better if it, so, it sounds like maybe it already is already getting better. How much do your kids inspire you in, in your work like this? Um, quite a bit, actually. That was um, one of the reasons I decided to write A's for Alphabet. Um, my four and a half year old daughter, she, from a very, very young age, she just, she loved books. She would sit on our laps and uh, she would just point out at everything and wanted us to just read and read and read. So we, we read many, many uh, picture books um, from when she was really young. So it just started to inspire me and I had always wanted to make a book. Um, and it just felt like an appropriate time to make something that she would really enjoy. I would also point out, as a twin, I have a twin sister, um, it's going to be a handful for a while. So I wish you Godspeed on that because we were a pain for our parents. But uh, so the book is for Alphabet. Uh, What's it about? Um, It's it's about the alphabet. uh, But more specifically, it's um, each page is a tiny adventure that features one child and uh, one animal. So, for instance, A, A is for Abigail and the alpaca and the adventure at the top of the Andes Mountains. So it's, um, yeah, each page is just a tiny story, I guess. So, um, yeah, it just goes through multiple adventures and uh, it's full of alliteration and it's easy for kids to kind of just, I guess, I guess, get lost in the pages. You have A is for alphabet. You have also one, two, three, count with me is one of your uh, books that you offer on your website, Small Jane, Jesse. And I'm curious, do you test these books? Did you read it to your daughter first before it kind of went out to the market, so to speak, just to see, you know, is she, is she your first reviewer? Uh, that's a good question. Um, yes and no. I, I'm actually in some ways a little afraid to get her opinion because children are too honest. Um, so, yeah, no, she definitely read it, but... Um, uh, and she actually pulled it out last night, which usually I, I don't actually try to read them with her because it's just, I, I guess I've seen it a lot. So I like to read something new, but, um, yeah, she still seems to really love it. And, um, yeah, the, my twin boys are a little different. They don't seem to have an interest yet in books, but we're still trying and hopefully, hopefully they'll uh, gravitate towards them eventually. What do you think the key is to instilling a love of books? Your daughter, she obviously got that from somewhere. You made it a priority in your home to sit down with her, and then she sort of picked it up and, and ran with it. What advice do you give to parents in terms of instilling that love of reading? I think uh, for us, we just having a, a graphic design background, illustration background, I and, uh, and we've traveled quite extensively. Um, just bringing as many pieces of inspiration from different parts of the world uh, into your home as possible is great. Um, and I find that the best way for us to do that is books. So we'll have coffee table books that are, you know, National Geographic's photography. Um, I just picked up an old, uh, we have like Birds of North America on our table, um, books on India, different things like that. And um, I just find that all of that, like giving them a lot of different material to look at really is inspiring um, not just children's books uh, so that's been that's been kind of where I guess we get a lot of our love of reading from 
Picture books can be just as stimulating as just re- as reading a book that's uh, entirely just comprised of text, though, right? Because when you yeah. you're watching something on TV, you might be kind of passively looking at it. But when you're looking at a, a picture book, whether it's a comic book or as the books that you pointed out, uh, we or we recently got our mitts on a book uh, full of pictures from the Exchange District. You really mm-hmm. pour over those pages, right? Like you're really you're like inspecting them. Yeah, you do. And I like I find I again I have a fascination with the world. So I I love to learn as much as I can. So um I find that any anything can be an adventure really or like you say you can find an old book on the exchange and it, you can just get you can get lost in it. Um and that's perfect for this these times that we're in. I just think it's really important to to continue to just bring that kind of material into your home uh, to inspire your kids and kind of connect them with things they may not be able to go out and see at the moment. Uh, yeah, so that's that's just where I come from with, with picture books and all of that kind of thing. And to use their imagination, I bet, I think, too, right, Jesse? Because I'm going on yeah. your website, Small Jane, and you've got all sorts of different things for coloring, um, different things for scavenger hunts. My kids are super into those right now, especially my youngest. Just ways for them to try to take a riddle and try to problem solve but have some fun with it. And I think the books allow for that sort of – you mentioned a bit of the escapism, but also just trying to picture themselves there or in that moment. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, imagination is huge for me. And, you know, I like, we like to just get out cardboard boxes and markers and paint and, and just try and create something new or, um, yeah, it doesn't, there's no right answer when it comes to imagination. And especially when you're, you're really little, that's, I just find it so important to just see where your mind takes you. Um, yeah. And again, like on my website, I, I had started before I was having twins to put some free resources out there for for families during the pandemic. So like you were mentioning that scavenger hunt, I've seen a lot of parents take it in different ways to play with it with their kids or even just print it off and use the pages as artwork and fun things like that. So I like to see where other people take um, the work that I do as well. I can't imagine what it's been like uh, with the twins not being able to uh, count on other people to come into your house and help you out. Uh, I know that was a key for us. But Jesse, just uh, listening to you talk about books, coloring books, picture books, whatever the book might be, a book is a book is a book. And I think the more often it gets in the hands of the kids, the better. But how about this funky obsession people have with displaying books and 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 oh don't turn the pages that way and don't handle it that way do you have any rules like that in your house or is it a free-for-all when it comes to books because i almost find that some people can be afraid of even touching a book based on on the on the way they're revered in certain homes no well we we lucked out again with my daughter she wasn't uh a page ripper. She, she was really good with books. I never, you know, she had some board books, but we went to a lot of the beautiful picture books uh, pretty quick. Um, so we've always let her kind of hold anything. Now the twin boys on the other hand, they're starting to be a bit of bashers. So we'll see where that goes, but um, I'm, I'm okay with at the moment, letting them touch and hold anything. That's what I love about thrifting books, because if I find right. a book for a couple of dollars, then I don't feel uh, I don't feel as bad, but there are definitely some books that are put way up high on the bookshelf that can only be read with parents. Well, Jesse, where do we get our hands on A is for Alphabet? You can find A is for Alphabet on my website, smalljane.ca. Um, and also in Winnipeg, there are several places that carry it. My favorites are Toad Hall Toys and McNally Robinson, um, as well as uh, select chapters in Indigo 
locations, you just would be best to call and see if they have it available in store. The book is A is for Alphabet. The author is Winnipeg's Jesse Thiessen, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Jesse, thank you very much for this. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. We also have more information on the book on our website, cjob.com, globalnews.ca slash Winnipeg. You can just, if you just Google CJOB, I love to read, you'll find it. Uh, the, the story that went up a couple of weeks ago also includes a video of Jesse reading from the book. As well, we've linked that story to our Instagram story at 680CJOB, so we would love for you to follow us there if you want. And again, A is for Alphabet. You can frolic with Francis the Fox, make muffins with Margot and the Monkey, and rock and roll with Randy and the Rattlesnake and more. And Loren, I'm sorry, did she say the alpaca was Abigail? I think it was Abigail the alpaca. Alpacas are hilarious. hilarious. Okay, we'll have to mention that to Global's Abigail Turner. (laughs) To see if she, I mean, who doesn't like, I was going to say to see if she likes alpacas, but well, if I think when you're close up to them, you might think differently. Are they the spitters <laughs> or is it the llamas? Th- the llamas are more spitters. I think the alpacas are a little bit better behaved, but not necessarily <laughs> entirely better behaved. We've got some zoo listeners in the audience. They're going to let us know um, if we need to alpaca a towel if we visit one of these guys. <laughs> There Did you have that in that chamber? <laughs> like, do you always just Oh, come? no. No, as soon as she said alpaca, I was like, I got to find me an alpaca bun. Can't just get through this day without uh, alpaca my bags for an adventure. Alpaca I got a million of them. Alpaca my bags. <laughs> Spit happens. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.